This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. As the Reds continue their Austrian excursions, transfer mill continues to turn. Roberto Firmino, the latest linked with an exit in Jurgen Klopp, outlining the Reds' aims for the coming campaign. To get into what we have on Monday's edition of the Blood Red podcast, we have the Chief Ian Doyle, and with pre-season being the time to blood young talent, we have Kiefer McDonald along for the ride as well. Chaps, I trust you both well, and well, Doyle. To be fair, we obviously were here on Friday to talk about the Reds and analyse the 5-0 win over RB Leipzig. It's been a rather quiet weekend for the Reds, but I suppose that's exactly the way Jurgen Klopp wants it to be ahead of the new season. The transfer business, by and large, looks all set and done, other than if there are key injuries or anyone to leave. And I suppose the countdown's on really now towards the back end of this weekend. The Community Shield and the game with Strasbourg following on from the game with Red Bull Leipzig. Uh, Red Bull Salzburg, let me get that one right, on Wednesday. Yeah, the Red Bull tour continues. Um, yeah. It's on a podcast that's also code for everybody's off because it's summer. I think it probably is a little bit, isn't it, as well? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, we've just wasted one minute there. That's good going. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not been a lot going on, has there? Um, but what we could do, I mean, I actually wrote just, just through passing when I was just writing something. It's the Premier League season starts in less than two weeks. Starts in 12 days, well, 11 days for the first game, but 12 days for Liverpool's first game. So it's not that long amount of time, is it? I mean, I know it's been an early start to the season. They play five They play five league games in August, which we mentioned on Friday, and they've done a bit of digging. Well, I say digging. I actually just read a book. And um, that's the first time Liverpool have done that since 1999, which... Some of my colleagues weren't even born then, but I can tell you that, you know, that was a that was the season that uh, they signed seven new players in the summer, and not all of them ended up uh, going to plan. Let's put it that way. But that's a long time ago. But the point being, there's got an awful lot of football coming up, and it's it's almost upon us already. Liverpool have only had three friendlies. They've got another, well, you could argue three really. And I do think that the the Community Shield, if it's ever been more of a friendly than this season, I'd be very surprised. You know, with it not being at Wembley. I've been at Leicester, which of course is such an easy ground for everybody to get to. No trains, direct, and all this, that, and the other. And it's been a what five o'clock kickoff. Thanks for that on a Saturday. So that's going to be good. Um, but yeah, it is building up to that game against Fulham a week on Saturday. The yeah, as we've said, the team are out in Austria. They're going through the training camp. Uh, obviously, we're not there, and there's not really been much access for the media. Uh, Klopp did a couple of interviews, didn't he, over the weekend to Sky Sports, Premier League Productions and a, a couple of uh, international broadcasters. Um, other than that, it's been stuff that's been coming out of the official Liverpool website and just be kind of interesting just to see what they've been up to. I mean, they did a, what was it, on Saturday they had two tra- a double training session. On Sunday they, they, uh, they did the old running, which of course anyone who knows anything about pre-season and any footballers, it's the bit that they absolutely hate. Any part of training no matter when no matter when it is when the ball is not at the feet or on goalkeepers being struck at them they, they don't tend to like it so much but you know these are the times that Liverpool traditionally under Jurgen Klopp have, have got that kind of basis because you look at one of the strengths of Liverpool is the fitness look at the fitness levels I mean having said that even for Liverpool they played 63 games last season you did see towards the, last, the end the last couple of games that they were getting a little bit tired because you know they've, they've 
they wouldn't have expected to play that many. And certainly not the kind of intensity that has them still chasing Man City, getting 90-odd points and still not winning the league. And then get into a Champions League final against Real Madrid, who, as we've seen for the last season, are the past masters of doing as little as possible to win a game. And I think possibly Liverpool, that's a little that's a trait that they might need to learn. You know, uh, Rafael Benitez, his sides were very good at doing that, but ultimately they didn't win as much. And I, I just don't think Liverpool can afford to do that this season, which is why... You know, the summer's such an important time for them. You uh, look at the interviews that's coming out of it and, you know, Costa Simicas did one today, Thiago did one yesterday. It's kind of all beating the same drum out there that this is a time for togetherness and how they they foster a team spirit. I mean, that's not that's not just for Liverpool. You know, Manchester United are imagine being a lot better shape than they ever have been, having been away for, what was it, 15, 16 days to Australia and whatever have you. I mean, Liverpool came back, was it like nine days ago? nine days ago from, from the Far East. And it seems like yeah. United have only just come back now from 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 their, from their tour. So it's been a long one for them. It'll be the same for all the other clubs. You know, a lot of them have been to America, haven't they? And this has been the first time since 2019 that they've all been able to get out and go and do stuff. So it will be interesting to see how it affects teams at the start of the season, partly because they're playing so many games before the first international break. I think it's eight Premier League games, isn't it? It's not till September. And that kind of disruption that, every team's got used to over the last couple of years isn't happening as much this year, apart from the massive one disruption that's going to be happening in November, where it shuts down for seven weeks because of the World Cup. So there is going to be a case of clubs are going to have to be able to hit the ground running because of these games. You know, We've seen from the you know every season in the past four or five years is that you've dropped some points at the beginning of the season and that tends to be it. You've got no chance. So... Liverpool can't afford to do that. They've got some big games coming up. What is it? United and Chelsea in the first couple of weeks. I'm trying to remember who else is there? Bournemouth and Palace. It's funny, isn't it, that they're, they're playing United and Palace in the first couple of weeks and they've played them both already. No, I'm not sure. Yeah, can, I, I, I'm not sure take, yeah I'm, I'm not sure you can take anything from that. But I do think that's that, that's my one thing about when you're playing other Premier League teams in, in the summer is that you just end up playing them again. And it's like, I yeah, don't I, I'm not, I don't like it at all. I don't like teams in the same division playing each other in pre-season. But having, having is, said that, I, I believe Arsenal had a couple of very good results, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. Let's not talk about that. We're a Liverpool podcast, <laughs> and Kiefer, in terms of one of the points that Doyle made there, in terms of just how many games there is in August, it does feel this season as much as the the more recent campaigns as well. A fast start is going to be really important, and actually, Liverpool do seem to have kind of cocoon themselves away in Austria. Yes, there's obviously in-house media busy doing interviews. There are some rights holders interviews that have taken place over the course of the weekend. But when you look at the other sides that will be looking to compete and challenge with Liverpool, there's a lot of visibility for them on their tours. It seems as though Manchester United have had all of kind of the, the, the major UK media outlets there in Australia with them. Chelsea and Arsenal in the US and Manchester City also out there Tottenham were up at, at Glasgow Rangers at the weekend as well. Whereas for Liverpool, it does very much seem, even if the, the focus needed sharpening any more off the back of just how last season finished, that they really are ready to to start this campaign strong and really hungry to deliver on success this year, albeit two domestic cups last year. I'm sure they'll want one of the big ones. Yeah, 100%. I think I think we know how much Klopp likes, you know, taking his squad to Austria. I think this is the third year I think they've gone now in a row, isn't it? And, uh, you know, obviously, yeah, there hasn't been the, the pre-season tours that they've kind of had to negotiate that with because obviously the pandemic obviously meant that no one can go anywhere. Um, but I think the way Liverpool have done it this year is obviously that 
you know they went pretty much straight away didn't they to uh to the far east i mean for a lot of the international lads they just joined up and, and jetted straight off to to um to, to bangkok so that was obviously a weird experience for them because those games you know they normally do like a northern um round robin don't they? they'll play like the Tramiers, the wiggins those kind of games and then they'll go off on the tour so to kind of get that out of the way and get the commercial side of it you know out of the way as soon as possible and then you know Klopp has that kind of two weeks 10 days with his with his with his uh, everyone out in in austria i think that's a perfect way to do it and i, I think we'll, we'll obviously see yes they got the friendly on wednesday but i think it'll be against city as you get kind of get a proper benchmarkers to see how much the the kind of preparations have kind of increased over the last you know 10 days and you know i think on um on, on Thursday against uh, against Leipzig, that was you know a team that was probably resembled something that you'd see on the opening day, or at least against Man City. Um, you know, does, I think there was you know one or two question marks you could add. Um, you know, who would take the third spot in midfield? But apart from that, I think it was you know pretty close. Obviously, throw Alisson in, in there as well if he is fit. Um, so you know, obviously how he'd played it out in uh, in in the Far East with you know what what thirty two players in in the first friendly and another thirty in the second. Um, you know, you'd expect now on Wednesday it'd be streamlined again, and then on, on Saturday against City in the Community Shield, you'd get a, a, a far greater reflection of that. But I also think as well, like the last couple of seasons they've kind of all just kind of stemmed one into another, haven't they? In the in the sense of you know we had the COVID break that was obviously a couple of months, but then the end of that season, I think the FA Cup final was the start of August that year, and then the season started early September. Um, and last year it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, a great break either. Obviously, with the European Championships, that obviously got pushed back a summer. Um, and now this, 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 this break has only been what four, four or five weeks really since the, the Champions League final in Paris, and then joining up for preseason at the start of July. So I think it's, I mean, obviously it's not ideal. I think last last season, Klopp said about Salah and Mane, they, I think they had six weeks off, which was the first time since they joined the clubs that they'd had a, a real, you know, extended break. And obviously, you know, they, they kind of reaped the, the benefits of that, certainly in the first half of the season. But I think this break's interesting because obviously it's not, you know, we know how fit Liverpool are, you know, uh, how fit Liverpool are. Obviously, Doyle's touched on it there, that they, you know, they played 63 games. Obviously, that, they would have needed a, a huge rest after that, but it's not, it's not been a period where they would have, I don't think they would have lost um, too much rhythm. Um, you know, so it, I think the transition now going from pre-season, um, you, you'd think going into the into the new season, it won't, won't be too bad. And, you know, footballers now, they're not like they were in the 90s. You know, they're not going off to, well, <laughs> they might be in Manchester City, but, you know, the, the, the great amount of footballers, they aren't going off drinking and boozing all summer. So they are, you know, they've got their own programmes. They are going to be, you know, pretty fit for the start of the season. And, and you know, we'll, I'm sure Liverpool will probably be um, that kind of the, the leading team with that in, in terms of the first couple of weeks of the season, as as Doyle you know touched on that. You know, I think they've got Everton as well in in those kind of first couple of games. So you know, you really can't afford to to waste any time in, in looking to bed. You know, the, the new season in, you've really just got to hit the ground running. You know, we saw last season. I think it was a third game. Liverpool dropped points to Chelsea, and people are already you know nitpicking and saying, you know, you know that could that, that could be two points dropped, or that could be the difference between the title and what you know 40 weeks later which is just absolutely wild so you know it's it's, it's going to be especially with the, the seven week break in in november december time you know those first what 18 games of the season are really going to be vital and and then obviously when the world cup kind of does resume you know after after um what in december time just before christmas it's, it's again you, you're going straight into the busiest schedule of the season it's just going to be relentless so i think a, a good start and a good foundation for all teams is is really going to be you know be vital and and that's obviously what they'll be working on in austria now and you know, hopefully on Saturday they'll be we'll be able to see more of that kind of finished product and maybe what we'll get a closer look at come come full on the following week. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
Doyle, you mentioned before the community shield and saying you think it will be more luck friendly than ever. I'm pretty sure yes. you're saying it's it's going to be the first time what since 2019 that Liverpool take on Manchester City in the community shield. That one that one felt really key even then off the back of City's unprecedented domestic treble, Liverpool winning the Champions League and obviously how the previous season had finished in the Premier League. Do you not see in, in the way in which Jurgen Klopp obviously looks to exact kind of marginal gains or psychological advantages in any which way he can that actually Liverpool really are going to be looking to start this season even even the community shield as fast as possible as they can you mentioned that international break you mentioned the break before the world cup surely Liverpool are really this is what the, the whole camp in Austria is all about is fine-tuning that focus to be ready to go even this weekend following on then into to the Fulham game Look, if they lose 4 0 to Man City or beat Man City 4 0, we'd all be like, oh my God, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the reality is, Liverpool are playing two games at the weekend. One of them's at Leicester, one of them's at Anfield. I mean, which one is more important, would you say? Was it more important to put what is, is it more important to put on a bit of a show for the fans for the first time that they've been there? Because it'll be like a full house at Anfield. So there's no way they're going to put a reserve team out for that game. And in the same way, what's interesting is there's every chance, there's every chance in in, in the past with the Community Shield, they've made loads of changes in the second half and it becomes a bit of a glorified friendly. If you've got that many players who are going to be playing over two days, there's more chance that the players are going to get, more players are going to play the full game or most of the full game both in both of them. If you yeah. see what I mean. Yeah, so yeah 19 to each of their legs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they probably won't all play all the, all the game, you know what I mean? They, they might decide, well, we've got a squad here, we've got a certain number of players, we can have youngsters come on and play the last 20 minutes in both games, for example. That could easily happen. I mean, just guessing here, to be honest. But cool. Jurgen Klopp likes the Community Shield uh, idea and stuff, doesn't he? Obviously, Germany, it's the Super Cup. But, I remember I mean, in 2019, I mean, he spoke about it and said, I don't get why it's not more of a thing over here. You're right. Um, but I do think the fact that it's away from Wembley is going to make a big difference, for me, anyway. Yeah. I mean, it won't feel like quite the event. Having said that, I went to the Community Shield in 2020 when there was nobody there, and that was Wembley with no one in. It's quite literally the worst possible ground. It was the worst experience that... I think in terms of that's when it kind of hits home without wishing to go back to those bad days again. It hits home like, oh no, this is going to be terrible this season. And of course it was. And Liverpool lost on pens. They lost on penalties to City in 2019. I seem to remember. That was interesting, that one, because Klopp said later on in the season, he said that after that game, even though they lost, he, he thought, actually, we're going to be okay this season. And that was after they'd had that you know, the, the, the tour of, New, uh, of America where they lost a couple of games, drew one, and then they got tonked at by Napoli up in Edinburgh. And obviously, they played City, came from behind, got the draw, lost on pens. I think it was Wijnaldum missed, was it? Seems to think it was Wijnaldum, yeah. Wijnaldum missed the penalty. So, I know what you're trying to say, Guy, but I do think, yeah, they won't want to get beat by a lot. In fact, they won't want to get beat at all. But it won't be quite the impact that it may have been in previous years, just purely because of the way that the fixtures have, have gone. I think Liverpool will want to have put in a good performance and they'll obviously want to win. But say they lose 1-2-0, I don't think it's going to be quite the same as if in a normal year. And, you know, I'll say exactly the same if Liverpool win 2-0. I'll say exactly the same thing. Well, I'll be writing it. Let's put it this way. So I thought you said I'll be writing. I was like, yeah, because you're... I'll be, I'll be writing it. I'll be writing yeah. it. Yeah, I'll be writing yeah. it. Yeah. And that's not to, you know, that's not to put down the game itself. It will be important. But, you know, we've, we've seen... I mean, how far are City down in their preparations? I saw that Hounds only played one game. They beat Bayern, didn't they? One nil, yeah. he scored. But it wasn't that his first appearance. So, yeah, I think so. Yeah. You know, he's not. 
going to be up to speed. There'll be other players that aren't. They've lost Sterling. Has Silver gone yet? I believe he's meant to be going, isn't he? Bernardo Silva. Um, There's a lot of speculation. There's been a lot of speculation over a lot of their players through the course of the summer. Zinchenko's gone. And they've got a new new striker who's the the guy, I can't remember his name. Julian Alvarez. Him, yeah. There's him as well. So there is a bit of an unknown. I think it's more of a case of there will be certain individual players, such as, as I just said, then Haaland and Alvarez and, and, and you look at Liverpool, Nunes and Cavallo. And I think they'll want to play in the game. They'll really be keen to play in the game. And I don't know. I mean... They've got another game before then as well, haven't they? They got uh, yeah. They got Salzburg finishing the the Red Bull Tour on Wednesday, and I think we can't forget that game because it's only three days before the Man City game. So I think it could be the team that starts against City might be the team that starts against um, the majority of which starts against uh, against Salzburg on Wednesday, and then gets subbed after a, a half. A, a, sorry, after the first half or sixty minutes because. That'd be more of a hint. You, you, Klopp's a lot less likely to play start somebody against City who's only been playing forty five minutes at a time. So I do think that we will get a bit, bit more of a hint. I do get what you're trying to say, guy, but I do think we can't underestimate the value of that second game at, against Strasbourg on Sunday because that will be just as you know, just as an important a game in terms of actually getting minutes in the legs and putting on a little bit of a show for the fans at Anfield. Yeah, no, I do appreciate that for the, the, the home fans at Anfield. Keith, interested to to know your thoughts. I just have to say myself on it. I think when we mentioned there, maybe we'll talk a bit more about the, the, the rivals and how they're getting on. But I think with City, I think their overhaul of their squad is far more difficult for them to bed in maybe than it will be for Liverpool. And I think it's it's maybe an opportunity even at Leicester at the King Power for, for Jurgen Klopp to prove maybe this is the level we're at to Man City. Can you can you get up to where we're at immediately? Kiefer, what's your take on it? Which What way are yeah. you seeing it? Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? I mean, the business City have done in terms of outgoings this season, you know, especially the, the Sterling one and, and the Jesus one, it does, it does seem quite odd. Obviously, Liverpool have lost, you know, not to compare them, but obviously Min- Liverpool lost Minamino and Origi this season. Um and Mane as well, which, you know, was, I, I watched a pod the other day and I think it might have been Dolly that actually whipped out. That was 120 goals between them last season or, or someone said. So, you know, it's a lot of goals there. And, and, and with City, they've obviously lost that reliability and the versatility that you get with Sterling across the front three. And, you know, if, if Bernardo Silva goes, you know, that's another huge player, you know, regardless of what, you know, Liverpool fans think of him or whatever. He's a, he's a player that can, you know, do a, you know, a good job in a number of positions. Um so I think if you can, you know, I understand obviously what Dolly's saying and stuff, but I think if you can land a, a mark, a kind of, you know, the, the first psychological, you know, small gain of the season on, on Saturday at, at Leicester, I, th- I think obviously it will. It goes both ways, doesn't it? I, I don't think I don't think Klopp will be pinning everything that he's done on pre-season on that. So I don't think if, if Liverpool, you know, do lose 3-0, I don't think Klopp's sitting there thinking, my God, I've just wasted, you know, three weeks of my life, you know, what, what's it come to? Um, but I think obviously if you do win, I think it does have a, a psychological impact, Um but then obviously saying that if you go back to the 2019 one, you know, the, the disappointment to kind of lose that in the circumstances and, and Klopp kind of turn that into a, po- not a positive, but he kind of used it as a fuel, didn't he? I, I think he uh, he made all the plays and he watched, watched City lift it and, and whatever. And then obviously Liverpool went on to, to kind of win the Premier League at a canter by what, what 18 points that season. So, you know, it can, it can work both ways in that perspective, but um yeah, it certainly is an interesting one. And, and I think as well with the five subs this year, you, you know, you're going to have a, a greater squad of, of players. So you're going to have to have more players who need more minutes in their legs because obviously the chances of them playing and, and featuring is obviously greater than it was, you know, in previous years. So, you know, that that friendly on Sunday obviously is important. So is, so is the one on, on Wednesday and obviously kind of makes sense as to why Klopp's used so many players so far in, in pre-season because, you know, you can't just have, you know, for 13, 14, 15, 16 players who are, who are kind of, 
ready to play. He needs to kind of up that to 20 now um, because, you know, just, there's every chance Liverpool could, you know, play another 60 games this season, you know, throw throw the uh, the World Cup on top of that. And, you know, some of the top nations that will be featuring at, at that and obviously, you know, the likes of, you know, Brazil and, and some of the lads from Liverpool, you know, the Netherlands, they'll want to go deep into the competition. They could end up playing 70 games this season, which, you know, is, is just absolutely you know, crazy. Um, you know, especially after the, the back of the last few years. So, yeah, it, it will be interesting. And, you know, I, like with City, I'm not sure when they come back. Have they got another friendly? I imagine they've got another friendly over in America. Um, but, you know, by the time they come back and obviously deal with kind of the jet lag and everything, they'll be jumping into they'll be jumping into the game on Saturday. So I don't think they'll be pinning too much on it as well. Um, it feels obviously like, like I said, it, it feels like Liverpool kind of got everything spot on with the way they did the kind of commercial aspects of the tour first and then obviously went to kind of the European the European leg, obviously, I think it will, it gives, you know, the distractions kind of the, of everything you kind of get with that, they're all out the way. And then, you know, obviously Klopp's got the time to kind of, uh, you know, deal with everything in-house and kind of keep a, a lid on it all and and then kind of not show the finished product, but what will be close to a finished product at the weekend. And I think maybe City obviously probably won't have that. It might take them a bit longer. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, it just feels like, you know, going straight from the US straight into the, straight into the community shield could be a, a quite a hard and a tough transition. But I certainly don't think, you know, this if as as Dolly said, I think if, you know, if one team wins four nil or the other or whatever, whichever way it swings, I don't think anyone's gonna be, you know, writing up their their final tables for the, you know, the, the end of the season. I think there's still so much that can happen and, you know, the the World Cup as well, that's gonna have a huge impact, you know. Um so yeah, certainly certainly an interesting one. But yeah, I am looking forward to Saturday and and uh, yeah, hopefully Liverpool can uh, win the uh, the glorified friendly. Yeah, I look forward to, to this season, Ian Doyle hot takes of just what's going to happen pre-games if that is then the way they do. Play. Hey, but, excuse me. I was very good towards the end of last season. My my predictions, but a lot of them were right in those last six or seven games, which, of course, you won't remember. No, no, no recollection. Remember, you only remember the wrong ones, yeah. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. No, no recollection. I don't think that happened. I think you... you I think you'll find that you, it does. Fortunately, we have this, this archive of all the pods, so if anybody wants to listen back and check them... By all means, waste your life doing that. And that's why he's the chief. Anyway, Doily, you mentioned <laughs> before you mentioned before the interviews Jurgen Klopp has given to, to rights holders over the course of the weekend. And within that, he was asked, obviously, uh, his, his expectations for the season and knows full well that Manchester City are going to be there. He also referenced the fact that City have sold some players to rivals. Sterling's gone to Chelsea. Jesus and Zinchenko have gone to Arsenal, albeit they probably won't compete. Do you think there are anyone else from kind of the rest of the top six pack who realistically this year can look to bridge the gap or do you just see it as a straight shootout between City and Liverpool? Well, the big man Tom Cavilla, uh, our chum and colleague, he wrote something the other day where he said that City have kind of made life a little bit harder for Liverpool by selling, you know, Chelsea, uh, Sterling to Chelsea and Zinchenko to Arsenal, which kind of works both ways in my, my mind. I mean, he's correct in that, but then surely they'll be trying really hard to beat City as well. So, you know, it's, it's 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 one or the other. It will make it more difficult because it's kind of spreading that kind of talent around, which is good in a way, I suppose. I mean, looking at it from a completely non-Liverpool point of view, the best thing you could possibly have is a very competitive league. Wasn't Klopp made the point, didn't he? He said that if it wasn't for Liverpool winning it a couple of years ago, City would have won it five years in a row. And that's, what did he say, absolutely crazy for this country, which is obviously in reference to other league, shall we say, where other teams with the initials BNM tend to run away and, and, and win the league every single year. In Spain, and Atletico Madrid have made a bit of a play in the last 10 years, but it tends to be Barcelona or Real Madrid. In France, it's 
Paris Saint-Germain, isn't it? Before then, it was either Lyon or every now and again Marseille in Monaco, and before that, Marseille. So, and and in Italy for a long time, it was Juventus. And I know we could say that United were were the dominant force for about fifteen to twenty years, but Guy would be the first person to say, "Well, Arsenal won it a few times in that, and and Chelsea won it, and Blackburn won it once, and uh, Leicester won it twenty sixteen. So this does happen in in England, but yeah, it is a concern that okay, if it, with it being Liverpool up near the top, it's great for us, but for everybody else, it's like if you just oh look, it's Liverpool and City again, you'd be like it's getting a little bit boring now. So you do need more teams up there. I do think this season that that United will be a lot better. I think United were ten points. United really were ten points better off than they finished last season because they just chucked it towards the end. So if you add that on, plus the but the you know they're going to improve under Ten Hag, then I do think that they're going to be. Not challenging for the title, but they'll certainly be a lot nearer to it. And I, you know, at one point, some point, we're going to do our predictions, and I think United will finish in the top four. Um, Tottenham will be a lot better. I think Tottenham are going to be really strong, as much as everybody knows that's going to really pain me to say that. But I do think Tottenham will be. They got a great manager in Conte, knows how to win the Premier League, and you can't underestimate that. And I think, to a certain degree, he's, he's he did clock twice last year, didn't he? So. I do think that they're going to be strong. Arsenal, I think, will be better. Possibly not quite enough to finish in the top four unless they... Well, if they're better than last season, they'll finish above fifth, so they'll be in the well, top Well, no, 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 no. No, I said they'll be better, but you look at United are going to be better. So, you see what I mean? Yeah. yeah better yeah, than yeah. fifth no, is no, 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 no. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, and Chelsea. Chelsea an interesting one for me because I think Chelsea... For a large part of last season, I mean, the season before they overachieved, there's no way they were the best team in Europe. Um, I think last season they overachieved to a point where suddenly I think they hit that wall where they realised how good they actually were, which was not as good as City and Liverpool, which is why they lost the two finals in the end. And I think, again, it'll be, I mean, what is it, July the 25th? So there's still another five weeks before the before the transfer window closes. And that there are those five games. Again, I think that's why the clubs will be desperate just to get the stuff done as soon as. I think Chelsea are playing a little bit of catch-up. United, I think, probably will think they need a couple more signings. City, I think, possibly might be done unless they get somebody else in. We know Liverpool are done unless something remarkable happens. And Tottenham just can't keep on signing players all summer, so I suspect they might be done as well. So I think they're the ones. I do think Tottenham or anyone else are the ones to challenge City and Liverpool. And as I say, I think United will be better. Chelsea, I don't know. Arsenal will be better. So they'll be the top six. But I just think it's those three that are going to be challenging for the league. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Kiefer, how do you, how do you see it? And in terms of City sales, <laughs> it's not the kind of thing... Doyley mentioned there, what, what Tom Cavilla's written on the Echo website. It's, it's not quite something Liverpool would do, is it? Allowing a player to go to potentially strengthen a side they're either going to have to come up against. Equally, those City players who have moved on could well take points off Liverpool and other rivals too. But for instance, Genie Wijnaldum left and and, and went abroad. Divock Origi has done likewise. Takumi Minamino as well. Sadio Mane within that too. Liverpool wouldn't sell, you wouldn't expect, to to a Premier League rival. No, exactly that. I think 
probably the last time would have been Sterling and obviously at the time Liverpool would have been nowhere near challenging City at the, what, 2015. So I think obviously that's probably the one you could probably draw, not comparisons to, but if you're clutching at straws, you could, you could probably, you know, say say in a similar capacity, but it is weird. And obviously the the the, the, the deal for Sterling, I think obviously was good, was good money. I think he had a year left on his contract, didn't he? They near enough recouped everything that they, that they got, what they spent for him, what, seven years ago. Obviously he's been a good servant to the club, but he will be a big miss. I mean, you know, people can talk about maybe what he doesn't bring to to the, kind of his overall game when he when he's not scoring. But the thing is, putting the ball in the back of the net's the hardest thing to do in football, and it's you know it's the thing that most teams need. That you know, without sounding like Michael Owen, if you don't put the ball in the back of the net, you don't win, do you? So, um, it, you know, is, is is putting the ball in the back of the net really the most difficult thing in football? That what, is. What, let's have another. What actually yeah. is the most difficult thing in football? He's scoring goals. Yeah. You think that's so, why, so you think it's that's why they get score, paid the money. You, hang on. Do you think it's easier to score a goal than it is to go on a dribble past six or seven players? Depend yeah, but in, right in context. Uh, depends yeah, who's yeah, yeah. goal, depends <laughs> who you're dribbling past. Uh well, if it was you or me, then yeah, maybe. But I do I do yeah, I do agree. It's a lot harder to score than it is to keep them out. Anyway, yeah. sorry, Keith. <laughs> um, but yeah, just in that kind of uh, aspect, obviously, kind of with Sterling, it feels like you, you're pretty much guaranteed 15 to, to 20 goals a season from him, especially under Guardiola. He's kind of taking his game to the next level, hasn't he, from a positional point of view? And obviously, I know he kind of struggled last season for you know the first part of the season, but you know he's, he's still a fantastic player, still a fully fledged England international, and you know I think he'll bring that experience to Chelsea. I feel like they maybe have been lacking that in, in recent times. Um, you know, we've seen obviously, yeah, they, they they won the Champions League and they won a couple of trophies off the back of that. But um, I think, you know, we saw it kind of saw it in the finals that where Liverpool have kind of got that now now from, you know, being in that position. I think, you know, after Kiev where, you know, Real Madrid again, like they did in Paris, they just kind of used that winning experience. They didn't play anywhere near their best. They got over the line. And I think, you know, Liverpool have got that in abundance now, you know, that winning mentality. But I think Chelsea maybe. Not not lack it, but I just think at crucial moments maybe, and you know, bringing someone like Sterling, who's won you know, however many Premier Leagues he's won, um, is only going to Im- improve them. But I think as well, I think trying to think off the top of my head, who City dropped points to last year. Um, God, why have I said this? Southampton, Brighton, Palace. Palace. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, Liverpool twice, and I, they beat Chelsea didn't they home and away. Um, they lost to Tottenham home and away. Yeah. Um, so. It's only, you'd, you'd think it, was, it would, would would benefit Liverpool as well as as, as Doyle said. It's you know they're going to want to play better against against City, but um, so it shouldn't it should make it like level out the league a bit more. You'd feel like um, which is obviously only going to be a good thing for Liverpool in the long in the long run, especially you know it might kind of bring that that number down from you know ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven. It might bring it down to a more you know normal total of you know kind of top of eighty. You know, the lower nineties, maybe thing, which you know, is still a ludicrous amount of points, but it's it's not kind of you know lose two games and, and you're done for the season kind of thing. So, um, hopefully, from from that perspective, um, it gives kind of a bit more uh, margin for error. Um, I think maybe we might see it at this season. I think because you know the last kind of couple of points points holes have been you know mental, and it's it's like I say, it gets to that point where you're dropping points against Chelsea at the end of August, and you're thinking, how do we make that up? Or I mean, Chelsea last season. Uh, you know, until kind of the whole Lukaku thing. Um, I remember after the draw at Stamford Bridge, we were, I think Liverpool and Chelsea were level one point, so there was maybe a point in it. And it felt like, obviously, the, obviously the title was, you know, gone at the gone at the point. But you kind of see the direction both clubs went 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 in from that from that moment on, sorry. Um, you know, Chelsea kind of, they kind of threw in the towel, it felt like. Um, whereas Liverpool kind of, you know, kept chipping away at that lead. And, and you know, 
they, they you know they nearly nearly won the league and Chelsea came so close, take, took it to the final day. So I think you know if Chelsea can maybe do that over a sustained period of time, um, kind of like they did in the first half of last season, and you know they won't kind of have that. I think last year it was a, a transitional phase for them, wasn't it? Bringing in Lukaku and obviously it clearly wasn't a Tuchel signing or, or someone that he didn't want at the club and. Kind of that that felt like it really that that was like a key point in their season. It felt like it kind of unraveled. So I'd expect Chelsea to be up there. Um and Tottenham have obviously done good business, but it's it's hard to you know, when you sign that many players in one window, it's hard to see how they'll gel. Um, you know, saying can you know, maybe said about Arsenal. Um, you know, if you get to that point where you've lost one or two players, uh, sorry, lost one or two games so early on in the season, do you, do you kind of stick with what you know or do you kind of give them the, the luxury of bedding in? I mean, you know, if there's five games in August, there's going to be no time to to bed in and kind of, you know, what you'd have in a normal season. So um, it will be difficult for them. I, th- I think United are still a, f- a fair bit off it. Um, I understand obviously what Dolly said about the 10-point kind of um, total that you'd add on to their points from last season, but I still feel they're a midfielder short, probably another centre-half as well. Um, I, d- I don't know. That's... I think they'll probably get fourth, and, and probably not because not because they're. I, I think they're improving, um, probably just because I think they were. Um, I, th- I think they didn't kind of reflect their true qualities last season. Like you know, Dolly said they kind of threw it away. So I'd I'd, I'd probably go Tottenham third, um, United fourth, Chelsea fifth. I think unless you know there's any drastic drastic business, um, but I'm sure they'll all be wrong come the end of May. Yeah, we'll get our predictions next week and, and go through it and see what is going to happen for the course of the season. But scandalous, neither have, have put Arsenal in the top four. But we'll we'll move on from there. Doily, I was having a think. Scandalous, I know. I've said something nice about them before. Then you, yeah, I, think, me. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean they, they finished they finished eleven points ahead of Manchester United. So even if you you you, you use Doily logic and give United ten points for some ludicrous <laughs> reason, they're still you know finished why. behind Come Arsenal. On. Come on, we we've, we've all we know so, that we've all watched. I, 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 I agree. As much as it pains me to say, I think I think Spurs will be the third team. I think it's I think it's a straight battle between Arsenal, Chelsea, and, and Manchester United. I think Spurs will be miles up in Liverpool, though. I still think there'll be no, a, yeah, a massive gap. Uh, yeah, I think there'll be a comfortable game next week's pod. Let's just no, I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm, I'm just I'm just wetting the appetite, and then I think yeah, that I'm just a little preview for it. Also, I was thinking, I think uh, either a Rabona kick or a rainbow flick are probably the hardest things in football. Overhead kick for me. It's an a proper. I don't mean like a bicycle kick. I mean a proper. No, you mean like a kick. proper overhead yeah. bicycle kick. Yeah. Where? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, you, maybe you get up there and it's like great. I'm up here and then it's like oh no. <laughs> if you're doing a bicycle <laughs> kick, if you're doing a bicycle kick for an attempt on goal to score, yeah. that is the hardest thing to do in football. I'd go. I'd go. Yeah. That's why I always think goals like that are always. Goal know, of when the goal, when they go the goal of the year, and it's, yeah. if someone in the season score like an overhead kick from like the edge of the area, it's like, well, that's clearly got to be goal of the season. I don't care what anyone else does. Although I was impressed when Luis Suarez scored a header from the edge of the box against Norwich, which with West Brom. West Brom or Norwich? I think it was West Brom. Was the head? I think it was yeah, West Brom. I mean, I mean yeah. to be fair, Norwich. Norwich he used to score against Norwich, yeah. and they. <laughs> and I mean, he hit a few volleys against them, which were very, mm. very good. But uh, anyway, before we go, final point. Before we do digress too much, let's talk about transfers. And the one I want to discuss, Doily, is is Roberto Firmino. He's been linked with Juventus. I mean, it's it's foreign media reporting on it, so not really something we're probably reading too much into. But I mean. The, the the sums that are being spoken about around sort of twenty million pounds for Roberto Firmino to me it, it kind of falls into that sort of Alex Oxlade Chamberlain type position that we've we've spoken about on the pod before that he's got a year left on his contract whether or not it looks as though he's in a position whether he's going to extend or not 
is £20 million even enough, really, to replace just what Roberto Firmino does bring to Liverpool and kind of the gap he would leave if he were to move on? Well, it's not happening unless he says that he wants to go and he's already said that he wants to stay. So that's that. Brilliant. Kiefer, <laughs> I, I can't get some sense from, from you on this. And, and actually some analysis. How is that? Hang on a minute. Oh, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. How is that not sense? We've, do, no, we've sense. done this. We've, we've done this. We know that he doesn't want to leave. We know that. Why, what, I mean, why would Liverpool sell him? Because they, they just have to go and find another striker straight away. So, but it's, I mean, probably Juventus could offer 30 million. Liverpool would still say no. And Juventus wouldn't offer 30 million because he's a player who's out of contract at the end of the season. So, you know. It's one of those, isn't it? Equally, he's, he's over 30, a year left on his contract. Juventus <laughs> love a free agent, don't they? So it, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't even make sense for them to offer £20 million. But Kiefer, in terms of what, if he were to leave, obviously that would be, Luis Diaz is, is still bedding into Liverpool, the systems and the structures. Darwin Nunez as well. Diogo Jota's injured at the moment and has had a few injuries during his time at Liverpool, which I suppose the original front three, as you'd describe them, never really seemed to get beset by too many injuries, bar Firmino last season. It would leave an, a huge gap, wouldn't it, in that Liverpool attack that w- would would need filling? Yeah, hundred percent. And I think it's it's not only what you you know. Obviously, while Darwin Nunes settles in, it's good to have kind of that option of someone you know. We know for big games that Klopp obviously likes to go with kind of his tried and trusted, you know, what was formerly the, the front three, but, you know, his, his trusted members of the squad. And I think obviously while Darwin Nunes, you know, settles in, you know, however long that takes, you know, there's going to be plenty of games. There's, you know, there's plenty of substitutions, you know, for Klopp to use. I think it's, you know, it's, it's as Dolly said, it's literally a no-brainer to, to even entertain, you know, any kind of offer that would come his way. But um, I think as well, like it kind of the, the versatility it gives you, you know, there's been talk of moving to a 4-2-3-1 this season. And, you know, obviously I know that Carvalho, you know, is probably more suited to you know playing in uh, in, a, in a 10 and he kind of is playing deeper but you know to have someone like Firmino who can kind of double up in you know as two members of the squad kind of thing and kind of how useful that is um you know we know that Klopp loves versatility and and you know it just doesn't make any sense really like you know I wouldn't be surprised if he does extend again next summer I mean why, what's he got to kind of lose at this stage of his career what he's, he's 30 now isn't he so um you know is he going to Except a, a bit part role where he can pick up, you know, his, uh, a few trophies. Obviously, his family settles. I think he's got two daughters, isn't he? So it, it wouldn't really make much sense for him to kind of not throw that away. But certainly, with a year left on his contract in a World Cup year as well, um, you know, settling into a um, to a new league, I think that certainly played a part in in some transfers. And you know, I think you know, there's one international break before the World Cup, so you you, you know, if you take a couple of games to settle in, you you're missing out. But regardless of any of that, I think. You know, to leave Liverpool with with a year left on your contract for, for that little amount of money, like you say, it's it's similar to the to the Oxlade Chamberlain one. If, um, you know, who who can you replace with with that with that with that money? It's just you, no one can you. Um, so he's more valuable to Liverpool in that sense. But, um, as as Dolly said, I, I don't certainly don't believe there's any truth in it. I, and, and as Klopp to deal with that, unless someone wants to go, why, you know, they're not going to be sold, and, and why would Firmino even want to be going at this stage of his career? So. Yeah, I think he'll be. Uh, I think he'll be around for the season, and and you know, hopefully, have a, another good season, and you know, better than last year, and, and contribute to a few trophies. Cracking analysis there from Kiefer McDonald. A Stefan Bicetic like preseason run out for Kiefer on today's blood. I don't record. like the inference there, guy. Don't like the no. inference. Don't appreciate it. No, oh. I deserve better. Oh dear. 
Okay, let's <laughs> let's let's. You know what's funny though? You know what's funny? Funny the amount of people listen to this podcast and leave little comments saying they don't get on. But it's, yeah, it's, I do enjoy yeah, that. I do yeah, enjoy yeah. that. Uh, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. We shouldn't. We shouldn't. We shouldn't ruin the, uh, <laughs> the, the thing for them. But uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do bloodred at reachplc.com. Let us know what the hardest thing to do in football is, as well as your predictions ahead of the new season. We will be getting to those ahead of Liverpool taking on Fulham. Do leave us a rating or review be as kind or as critical as you would like to be but five stars would be preferable it does help us in the podcast rankings but from myself guy clark ian doyle and keith mcdonald thanks for your time and your company it's bye for now you've been listening to the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo